First Peter in chapter 2. Today's message is called Building Instructions. Building Instructions. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to meet here today. We thank you for this church, Lord God. And you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we declare that today in the name of Jesus, that this is your word. And that you would speak your word clearly, Lord God. And that nothing of the enemy would have any sway in this place. Because this is your house. This is your church. And we declare that. We declare the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would speak by the power of your spirit today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Building instructions. You know when people build houses, I'm not an expert at this, but I know a man who is, I know people who are. Um, like the guys, uh, the people building houses down there in Moody'sburn at the moment, have you noticed? There's quite a lot of foundations being laid and you suppose when somebody builds a house, what do they do? Well first of all, there's, there's got to be a plan, doesn't there? There's got to be a plan drawn up. And then once the plan's drawn up, the next important thing is to lay a strong foundation and if you had a wee look down the road there there was actually a bit of a hill down, down the road that wasn't really suitable for building on so they, they've effectively just kind of carved that away quite a major job but they, they seem to have done it pretty quickly and they're, they're building the foundations there and no doubt before too long the next stage will, will come in where they start building the infrastructure all the way around about it and a team of people tend to get together don't they to do these things and all the different materials and eventually after a lot of hard work comes a house and preferably it's one of those houses hopefully in Middlesbrough that isn't going to fall flat <laughs> it's going to be one of those that's going to stand strong the aim when building a house is to build a structure that's going to stand firm isn't it that's the aim you're not planning to build something that's going to fall flat on its face straight away I want you to think about the words building instructions as we look at this passage because that is the context I believe the Lord would have us look at today 1 Peter 2 verse 1 to 11 therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. Which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, 
I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And we pray the Lord would bless his word to us today. I want to bring a few points out of this message entitled Building Instructions. First of all, we see in the opening verses there, we have to get rid of the old and receive the new. There's no point building with bad materials, is there? What would be the point in that? Let's build a, a, a house with the most dodgy materials ever. Hopefully your new house over there, SP and Lirania, is built with, I'm sure it's built with better things than that. But you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't pick materials. You wouldn't have things in that building. Even in a natural house, there were, there were worthless things. There were things that were unstable. There were things that were going to pull the house down. You wouldn't have them in, wouldn't you not? You would get rid of them. They wouldn't be part of your materials. And it's the same thing here from a spiritual standpoint. Our building instructions are, first of all, get rid of the stuff that's nonsense. Get rid of the stuff that's sinful. Get rid of the stuff that's never going to build anything. It's just going to be a a sandy foundation. Because it's a sinful foundation. So, Peter is writing this letter to believers. It's important to recognise that. Believers that in Christ of maybe up to 30 years time, you know, so they've, they've had a, a number of experiences with the Lord and they're aware of his word and they're serving him in the areas they're in. He's speaking to Jews and he's speaking to Gentiles across up to five different areas. And of course, this is the word of God to us in the churches today and throughout history. This is God's word passed down to us and it applies to us as believers. So what does he focus on? Well, first of all, we see the word therefore in verse 1. And the word therefore means you need to start checking the previous chapter, really. Because therefore means in light of what went before. Think about this. So it's important when you're reading scriptural passages not to take them out of context. Take them in context. Look at the before chapter, look after, read the whole book. So before the previous contact in cha- context in chapter 1 verse 22, Peter was repeating a strong command to the church from Jesus Christ. What was that command? To love one another. As I have loved you, Jesus said, love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So verse 22 of chapter 1, if you flick back to that, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another another, deeply from the heart. You know, there are a few ways we can demonstrate love that aren't genuine. It's, it's, it's actually surprisingly easy to do that sometimes, to put the smile on and put the face on and even to sometimes say the right things. But you know, God can see the heart. And it matters what's in the heart. There's a purity of heart. And we're going to see that as well. And it's to be a sincere love that's displayed amongst Christians, isn't it? A sincere love. We have to love one another deeply from the heart. And what we're seeing here in chapter 2 is some building instructions to help us do that. Because there are some things that get in the way from our own sinful nature, even as believers. This is talking to believers. Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit. He's talking to believers. talking to you and I today. Rid ourselves of all malice, of all deceit, 
of all hypocrisy, of all envy, of all slander, of every kind. These are the these are building materials we need to forget about. We need to get rid of them. Because they're absolutely worthless. And they're downright sinful. And they're, they're not appropriate for believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? And while we don't come down with big condemnation, it's important to recognise that there are standards for the Christian life. And there are certainly standards for the church life as well. And while none of us are perfect and we're on a journey with God's help to become more like Jesus every day by the power of his spirit, we need to check ourselves for these things. And remember as well, do you see that these are individual responsibilities? It's talking very personally, isn't it? When we apply that, it's applying to me and it's challenging to me. That we need to check ourselves in these areas whenever we would have things like that in our heart to get rid of them, to ask the Lord to forgive us for those things and to give us a right spirit within us as we were hearing about last week that's what Alec was sharing from that repentance psalm, this is about repentance this is about Christians coming before the word of God and and saying no this aspect is wrong I'm sorry about that and Lord please help me, please forgive me and help me get rid of that nonsense from my life so love is the key Love is the instruction, genuine love and anything that would hinder that right relationship with God because we're sinning against God when we do these things and we're sinning against our brothers and sisters when we do these things so it's a block, it's a, it's a barrier, it's something that's not going to help build anything, it's just going to knock things down. <coughs> so the instruction from God's word to us today is very clear, to, we have to get rid of this stuff and it's very, very important that we do get rid of it. Notice too that this is a personal responsibility as I've already said. Nobody else is going to do these things for us. You can't say, well, okay, I've not heard a sermon on this recently or, you know, I, I, you know, I just, I'm feeling as if somebody's got to take this responsibility for me to help me with this. I mean, it's an individual choice and responsibility with the Lord's help to deal with these things. It's a personal matter, isn't it, for you, for you and I? It actually comes down to obedience. Obedience to the word of God. We may say to ourselves, well, they may say to me, Graham, you know, I don't have the power to deal with these things. These things are deep within me. I have a real struggle in this particular area. One of those words that were just mentioned there, that's something I've always struggled with. Well, we don't have the power. You're right. We don't have the power. But we have received power. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses throughout the whole earth and every believer in Jesus Christ has promised that power within us so isn't that encouraging today when we see areas when you or I I'll look at that passage and I'll see areas in my life at any, whatever point in time where I would fall short I say Lord forgive me and enable me by the power of your Holy Spirit isn't that encouraging enable me by your power working within me I don't have the power but you do but the Lord is looking for cooperation from us he will never force himself into the issue we have to take a personal step of obedience amen it's a step of obedience and the Lord will empower us to live the way that he wants us to live Romans 8 says, talks about this choice, this decision we need to make as believers. Verse 12 in Romans 8 says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So we see there, even talking to believers, that when we follow those things of the sinful nature... 
it brings a death experience within us. It's just it's the building materials are just destructive. It's tearing everything down that the Lord would have in our lives. But when we live according to the Spirit, He removes all of those things that are detrimental to us and replaces them with solid building materials. The Holy Spirit enabling us to replace those things. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, keep coming up. Self-control. And if there's any one of those areas, when you you list things like that, you immediately go, if you're anything like me, oh dear. (laughs) There's a number of those areas in, in which I know I fall short. But you know, the Lord understands that. And the Lord's compassionate and gracious to forgive us our sins when we confess them. So when we highlight an area, we confess it to the Lord and we say, Lord, help me and we trust in his power. Praise the Lord that you're not where you were when you first came to Jesus. Amen? We're not where we were. We've moved along the path. Because God's faithful. And God moves people who are honest in their hearts. It's important we're not playing games with God. That's one thing I would say. We can't deceive God. We can't kid on and play games about it. Because he sees our heart. But where we're genuine, the Lord is moving us on as we genuinely respond to him. That's an encouraging thing. So to put away these things in order to grow, this is what we're moving on to here. There's a reason for that as well as the fact of getting rid of those those sinful things. But we need to replace, it's not just about getting rid of things, it's also about replacing those things with something greater. Remember we've been given a brand new life as Christians, we've been born again, as you'll often hear the term uh, evangelists use or... uh, coming out of the the scriptures as well, being born again. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 to 5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. So what a wonderful blessings there for everyone who trusts in Jesus as their saviour. New birth, born again. Into a living hope. Life has come. And it's a living hope that's not just even for now. It's an inheritance for now. For the future. Forever. That will never perish. Spoil or fade. We don't deserve that do we? We don't deserve it. But the Lord paid a great price. At the cross in Calvary. Paying the price for our sins. And when we trust in him. We've entered into this wonderful new life. That we don't deserve. Why? Because God loves us. Jesus loves me, this I know. Because the Bible tells me so. Because he demonstrated it. God demonstrated his love for us by sending. While we didn't love God, before we ever loved God, he loved us. He gave himself for us. So here's an interesting illustration. We're compared here to newborn babies, and I've got some experience of that recently, as you'll know. Um, now, that being compared to newborn babies isn't saying that that the people of God here are immature in some way or that there were necessarily new Christians. Some of these Christians had been you know, following the Lord for about 30 years so that, that statement couldn't particularly be applied to them. Now this illustration is bringing out a couple of points that we could relate to young Bethany there and think of any young baby uh, after they're born. You know, young babies need to be fed regularly, don't they? Very regularly. <laughs> Very, very regularly. And you know, you don't need to ask a baby 
to eat, to want to eat, because they crave that milk all the time. And it's a regular thing. And also, it's very important and a responsibility for, for parents to look after the baby so that the food that they're getting is pure. You know, you don't just give your baby meat and chips. Day one. Why not? <laughs> I suppose you could, but it would have a detrimental effect. And you wouldn't give something that was impure. We sterilise bottles. We make sure everything is totally sterilised and clean. So that nothing that is eaten by our young baby is going to bring any impurity there. Is going to bring any harm. Is going to bring any sickness. We don't want a baby to get sick. So we give our baby pure milk. Now if babies don't get fed regularly enough. They will not grow properly. And there will be serious problems. And if the food that we give our baby regularly. Is not pure enough. Then they will be in danger. Of getting very sick indeed. And this is the illustration the passage is bringing out to us as believers. This is those points that we're compared to. We're supposed to be like the baby. As born again Christians, we need to crave that pure spiritual milk. It says they crave. That word crave, <clears throat> it's a regular thing. It's a desire within. It's something you don't have to teach a baby to do. That craving within. And, and God's saying to us, you should have that desire. Once you get rid of these other things that are wrong, you'll start to cultivate that desire more and more. It's important to realise these two things are connected that we're talking about. You know, removing the, the rubbish, the impurities, with the Lord's help, but also that desire's building now. Lord, I want to... I want you to feed me the truth. So what is the pure spiritual milk we're referring to here? Well, I believe strongly that it's the Word of God to us that this passage is, is speaking to us about is the word of God to us we have the word of God clearly outlined throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament the words of Jesus himself recorded who is the word the, the word of God is given to teach us, given to convict us given to strengthen us so that we can grow up into our salvation it says it there in chapter 2 verse 2 doesn't it, so we can grow up into our salvation if you also look at the context of this particular passage, again back to chapter 122, Peter says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that's the word of God, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. So obedience to the word of God is connected to having sincerity of love towards others. Do you see that there? <clears throat> love one another deeply from the heart. And the very last verse in chapter 1 that leads on to where we're reading today, verse 25, says this, But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The word of the Lord stands forever. It's, it's the most important thing we need to be listening to. It stands forever. It doesn't change. We don't add to it. We don't subtract from the word of God. It stands and it's here. We're in a place where there's absolutely no excuse for us not to know how to read the Word of God. It's online, everywhere, for free. It's on applications on our phones. It's available in Bibles that are readily available to us. And it's also a word that's preached to us when we go to church and we meet other Christians as well. 
So spiritual milk is it's not referring here to elementary Christian teaching. You read in other places in the New Testament where milk is compared to meat and it's about maturity and you should be moving on from the milk onto the meat. That's not what this is saying here. This is a continual reference to we should be craving pure spiritual milk continually. And that pure spiritual milk for us as believers is the word of God. And we, we have to have that dependence just like a baby has a total dependence on feeding And having that pure supply given to it, we are reliant on the word of God to bring growth and bring life to us. Only God's word is pure, and it's only God's word that can produce pure spiritual growth in our lives. Amen? So, back to that word crave, it's again our responsibility. Do we crave that? Is that something we're cultivating in our hearts? And maybe if it's not something that's there at the moment, we need to reflect on the earlier passage to say, what would it be maybe that's blocking that? Would it be something I need to confess or something that's maybe causing issues in my heart that I would have to confess before the Lord? But we need to cultivate, again, with the Holy Spirit's help. What a promise, eh? What a promise. The Holy Spirit within us is God's character. Producing, displaying love. Godliness, peace, all the things we mentioned before. But we do have to cooperate with that. We have decisions to make, choices to make. God never forces himself on us. So as Christians, we, we, are, to, we are to be eager to be fed, and we should be wanting to be fed regularly. So we've seen firstly that we have to get rid of the old and useless building materials and receive the new provision that God have, has for us. Which is that pure spiritual milk. Producing love for one another and for the Lord. Then we move on to verse 4. And just now thinking again about the building itself. What is it that's been built here? We see some things to show forth who Jesus Christ is. The living stone and a chosen people. Verse 4. As you come to him... The living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him. So in this next section Peter is going back into the Old Testament writings. Which would have been familiar to the folks at the time. Showing promises about the coming Messiah. And also imagery that helps to explain um, the situation. And what is this imagery? Well it's an imagery of a spiritual house being built. And in this spiritual house... All believers in Jesus are built as one unit. Isn't that amazing? They're built as one unit. One spiritual house. And what is the focal point of the spiritual house? This this place? This church? Well, it's the church of Jesus Christ. He is the living stone, it says there. The living stone. That's a bit of an unusual terminology, isn't it? Because by definition, stones don't live. Stones don't live. But he's called the living stone. Jesus died, but he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again. This isn't connected to what I'm saying, but the stone got moved. It rolled. There was life there. He's alive. He's victorious. He's conquered sin. The stone was rolled away. He's conquered sin and death. It's a really important point that. He's the living stone. Chosen by God. Chosen by God. His one and only son. Precious to him. 
You know about the builders here on earth don't often recognise Jesus as that living and precious stone, don't, don't they not? And in Jesus' day, people didn't recognise him for who he was. But instead they crucified him, condemning him to death. But God placed an incredible value upon his son. Amen? A value on him. This is my only beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's what God the Father said. Listen to him. I am well pleased. This is the Son of God. God himself come in the flesh. Jesus. And this is God's building plan. To save us. So where do, where do we fit into this? Jesus is precious, living, the, the, the chosen uh, living stone. But where are we in this building of this spiritual house, the church? Well, we are said to be like living stones in verse 5. And we're being built into this one spiritual house. You know, even Jesus himself, when he first spoke about the church, before the church was even in existence, he compared it to a building. He says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as believers in Jesus, we are, we are like living stones coming together into this wonderful new building. This place of worship, this sanctuary. This church of Jesus Christ. And every time someone trusts in Jesus for the first time, they're, they're taken in like living stones, connected into this wonderful building of which Jesus is the living stone. Bringing that life, giving that life, maintaining that life, binding the whole structure together. They don't have stones like that in Middlesbrough, do they? This is a living stone, binding the whole thing together, empowering the whole thing, making it happen. And what a wonderful privilege for us to be part of such a thing that we don't even deserve to be part of. But because God loves us, he will take us and join us into that spiritual house. Hallelujah. And we have titles which you probably, if you're anything like me, can't even connect to yourself at times. With to be a holy priesthood. As believers in Jesus. A holy priesthood. That is our function. We're holy because Jesus has died and paid the price for our sins. And we are made holy through his holiness. Not through our own. When God looks at us, he sees his son. A holy priesthood. What's a priesthood? Well... In the Old Testament days, the priest went into the most holy place and gave worship to God. But when Jesus died and rose again, the temple was split. The curtain was split in two and the way was opened and it was done away with, that old system. And as believers in Jesus, we have access through Jesus, in and through Jesus Christ to worship. To bring service to God. Whereas before, half of us wouldn't have even get anywhere near it. The temple of God. We'd have been on the outside but the way has been opened. What a wonderful thing. The way has been opened. When we have entered into the spiritual house, we have access to freely serve our Lord, to worship him in and through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who stands in the gap for us. That's really encouraging. To be a holy priesthood, that's our joint mission. Worshipping God because he deserves to be worshipped. Serving God because he deserves to be served. 
loving God because he first loved us and he deserves to be loved and everything else comes out from that we praise and we worship and we honour God together only through Jesus Christ it's Jesus the living stone next part we see Jesus as the the chosen and the precious cornerstone verse 6 for in scripture it says see I lay a stone in Zion a chosen and a precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame this is now Peter is now quoting back into Isaiah in the Old Testament 28 verse 16 where it says so this is what the sovereign Lord says see I lay a stone in Zion a tested stone a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation the one who trusts in him will not be dismayed. Wasn't Jesus tested in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me when he looked towards the cross and he said, no, thy will be done. Jesus was tested and he went through great trauma, great grief and distress for us. Yet he did not sin. Praise the Lord. He didn't sin. He was tempted, but he did not sin. And he went all the way in obedience. He's a tested stone. A stone laid in Zion. A precious cornerstone and a sure foundation. A cornerstone, actually, when I I first thought about it, you think of something maybe high up, but actually when you look into the word cornerstone, it's a visible support mechanism on which the building is founded. It's a, a foundation stone. The building is going to rely on that cornerstone to build on. For strength and stability. And when we believers trust in Jesus Christ, we are building our lives upon the rock. And the church of Jesus Christ is built upon a rock. A precious and attested cornerstone. New Beginnings Church is built upon a rock. Jesus Christ. The precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The Apostle Paul said to believers in the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 Consequently you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Lovely. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a precious cornerstone, a key foundation stone. Chosen and precious to God. And when we trust in Jesus, we build our life upon him. It's a sure foundation. We next see Jesus as the capstone. Verse 7. Now to you who believe this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. So what's the point of this particular illustration? Well it's to show that even when people reject this precious living stone Jesus. It doesn't change the truth of the matter. Which is that. Jesus has been raised to be the name above every other name in heaven or earth. That's a fact. It's a fact. It's a positional fact. And to us who believe he's precious and we look up and we worship him. But to those who don't believe, the truth is still the same. 
the stone the builders had they reject has become the capstone. Now that word capstone would be closest to saying the head of the corner. So we're starting to look up a bit now. Raised up the head of the corner. In Peter's first sermon in Acts 2 he said, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. They put him down into a grave. And God lifted him up. Hallelujah. And raised him up to the highest place. So that his name is above every other name. Jesus was rejected by men. And we can apply that to ourselves. We may not have been there that day. But every time we, we have sinned before God. We have added nails into that sacrifice. He died for us. He died to pay the price for our sins. He was rejected by men but because of his perfect sacrifice, God raised him up. Therefore God, Philippians 2.9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus is the living stone. He's the foundation cornerstone. He is the capstone. But here's the thing. He's a stone that causes some men to stumble why is that? it's because we've got a choice to make how are we going to react when we're presented with the the truth of the word of God today and I would just challenge you with that if you've never came to Jesus and given him the right place in your life as your Lord and Saviour the fact of the matter is he is the Lord and Saviour he is in the highest place he has all authority and we'll all meet him one day we'll all meet God the Father but Is that going to be a stumbling block to us? Is Jesus going to be a stumbling block and we're going to fall under it? The truth of that? Or are we going to receive him as our precious cornerstone? Our precious saviour? Receive forgiveness and then have that rock to build our life upon? Have a think about that. It's a really important choice, not just for this life, but also for the life to come after we die. We've got a choice to make. Are we going to trust in Jesus or not? Are we going to believe in him or not? And again, back to, uh, just as we, we close, verse 9, back to the church again, the people of God, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So, the church of Jesus Christ, we've got a purpose together, don't we? We've got a purpose. A royal priesthood, I've already spoken about that. A holy nation. One thing about a nation is there's no div- there should be no division in it, it's a nation. And that's one thing that's, you know, the things we've spoken about earlier on as well, the negative side are all things which might bring about some division but this people is a a connected people through Jesus name with a connected purpose a holy nation, a people belonging to God when we trust in him we belong to him forever and what are we to do? declare the praises of him he says there once you weren't a people but now you're a people once we were sitting as an island somewhere without the Lord and now we're connected through Jesus to a wonderful United people of God. Just as an application today, do we do we realise, do we really take in at times the awesome privilege that we have to be part of the Church of Jesus Christ? That we've received his mercy, verse 10. We don't deserve it, but he's withheld his judgment and put it onto his son. And that we're now received into this new spiritual house together. And granted the, the awesome privilege of serving God together. Worshipping him together. So this is a challenge in how we treat each other, how we love each other. Because we've got a very high calling. It's a very, very important calling. 
And finally, just have a look at it. verse 11 there. It takes us back to remind us of some of the similar things we read in verse 1. Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Again, this is just reminding us of the first point. Get rid of all the the stuff that's no use. That's just going to drag things down. And receive the new. The new life from Jesus. Built upon a rock. The Holy Spirit of God. Giving us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And his word as we receive it. And we obey it. We grow. Don't we? That's how we grow. And as a church... We need to hear, we need to obey God's building instructions. We can't come up with another plan. It's got to be God's instructions. His word. If we come up with any other building instructions, it's going to fail. It's going to fail. Get rid of the old, receive the new. Look to Jesus, the living stone. We're a chosen people. And Jesus is the chosen and the precious cornerstone. He's the capstone. And we have the awesome privilege of being part of the people of God. Let's pray.